using the words of the Navi in Sefer Shmuel, Atu Shalom, the Beischu Shalom, the Chol Asher Lachol Shalom. You and your families, your rebbesins, your wives, your children should all have good health, and Kodesh should watch over you and watch over yourself and watch over your flock. So Baruch Hashem. So the first session I was asked to speak about how my relationship with my great Rebbe, the Koizam Rebbe, affected who I am and what I do. It's a daunting task, and it's very moving to me because every time I just remember those wonderful experiences, days and hours and minutes so many years ago, I am always moved to tears. And it's very difficult to summarize decades in a short talk. Summarize decades and summarize profound feelings. I first saw the Kloyser Magadabi, I cannot recall exactly when it was. My memory is not very good remembering times and dates. And human memory is so selective, it's just unbelievable. But I was a young boy, and we lived in Borough Park, and we went for Shabbos or Yom Tov, I did not recall, to Williamsburg, to 131 Lee Avenue. The Kloyser on Williamsburg is, I think, still at the same place. I haven't been there for decades. And I remember looking into the face of the Kloyser Magadet. I was standing on the beam of the Orenkoidish, cramped, squeezed between people. I remember the pain, but I also remember the awe, looking at him when he was davening and crying and literally talking to a Kodesh Baruch. In Chazal we find the expression by Choyni HaMahagel Keben HaMishate Lifneyavev like a child crying to his father. And those impressions are etched into my memory, into my mind and I will never forget them because I was a young boy seeing a Rebbe in my eyes, an old Rebbe, in the eyes of a young boy, crying was an unusual sight. We usually don't see adults crying, crying with tears, and crying for what reason? Baruch Hashem, not crying out of pain, but crying out of the vacas and davening to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, was an unbelievable sight. So my Keshe with the Kodesh Baruch goes back so many years, because my father, was at San Zerchoset, and he was one of the closest people to the Rebbe before coming to Eretzeshov from the days of Ferenwald of Germany. So that is my very first recollection. We arrived in Eretzeshov three days before my Bar Mitzvah. I was Eulah Latayra, and my birthday is Tes Nisan, coming up shortly. I won't tell you how old I am. That is classified information. But, uh, so we arrived in Israel. We left America, Moitzi Shabbos. We arrived Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday night was my bar mitzvah. And the Rebbe was at the bar mitzvah, and he let me say my drosha. And, uh, and at the day of my bar mitzvah, he put on tefillin for me. Many people today come with their children. 
I should put on children to their children. And, uh, and then I started learning under his guidance, under his tutelage. So let me start by saying, telling a story that I heard from my Rebbe, from the Kloisim Rebbe, and I heard this many times. And it's just amazing how many memories he had from his great father. Because he was a bar mitzvah boy when his father passed away. His father was an anical of the Divrei Chaim. Reb Chaim Itzans was the founder of the Tzans dynasty. He had many sons. All were Rebbeim after his Ptira. One of them was Reb Borach Megorlitz. His son was the Rudnikar of Reb Tzvi, who was the Kleisenberger Rebbe's father. The Rudnikarov passed away young, and the Kleisenberger Rebbe was a bar mitzvah boy. And he still had so many memories from his father. So one of his earliest recollections was, and I tell the story as I heard it from him, not exactly as I heard it from him, because I heard it from him in Yiddish, and I'm sharing it with you in English. So the Kleisenberger said, I was sitting in my father's lap, and he was crying. And I asked him, Abba, Father, why are you crying? And he said, I envy you, Zalman And I asked my father, why are you Mekana, me? You're a great Rebbe, and you have many Hasidim, and I'm a little boy. I should envy you. And my father said, I'm a kind of you, I envy you, because you didn't see ever the Divrei Chaim, the Tzanzarov. And I was taken aback, said the Kleisenberg and he said to the contrary, it should be the other way around. I'm a kind of you, because you did see the great Divrei Chaim, the Tzanzarov. And my father crying told me, I saw the Tzanzarov. So after 120 in the heavens, they will ask me, you had the privilege of seeing the Tzanzarov and you learned nothing from him and this is who you are. But you never saw the Tzanzarov, so what could they demand from you? And this is a story that Kleisabola told many, many times. So being the Talmud, of a giant, walking with giants is not only a privilege, it's a great responsibility. And if you knew a God will be a soil, after 120, you will be asked, what did you learn from him? Is this who you are? Despite the fact you were exposed to greatness and you witnessed greatness, many times, I have the same thought when trying to explain the tragedy, the story that is told in Yavam Samach Beis about the great Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva. And as you all remember, Yud Beis Elif Zulis Talmidim Hoyol Rabbi Kiva, he had 24,000 Talmidim, and they all perished in a very short period. Ben Pesach Le'atzeres, between Pesach and Shavuos, and why did they die? An entire generation of Tamil Rahomim, an investment of 24 years of toil 
Rabbi Kiva left his home for 24 years to gear and raise those 24,000 Talmidim. And why did they die? They didn't respect each other. And all the commentaries wonder, such harsh punishment, death, and I always said, it was because they were Talmidim of Rebekah. And Minashamayim, they were asked, you were exposed to greatness. You were served to be Talmidim of Rebekah. And he was the one that said, in He was the one that taught the world, he was the one that taught the world as Hashem Tiro He was the one that taught the world. Are you Talmidim of that giant and you learn nothing from him? So being exposed to greatness is also a responsibility. And being Mishamish and Adam Godel makes it that much more important to learn from his ways. So yes, I was exposed to greatness. And I could only hope that I learned something. So to understand the Kleisenburger, we need to go back four generations and talk a bit about the Divrechaim, about the Tzamzarov. The Divrechaim was unique amongst Hasidic masters and teachers and Rabbeim. And many times I heard from the Kloyser Magarebi, the one that Divrechaim passed away, his son, who was most notable out of all his sons and most of the Hasidim, stuck with the Divri Yecheskel, the Shinovah. So the Shinovah said about his father, could I say that nobody is as great as my father in Torah in this generation? I can't say that. This is a generation, like every generation, which has many Gedolim, many giants, many sages. Maybe there are some others that could compare with my great father in Yediyah in their knowledge. Could I say that no one compares to my father in Avodah Maybe yes. Maybe somewhere out there there might be a tzaddik that davens like my father Dab. Could I say that no one compares with my great father in Chesed? It is said about the Divrei Chaim, that he was Makrid and Noisar, and he never had a pruta in his pocket or in his home overnight, that he didn't give away to the poor, to the desperate, to the needy. It was the Amoid HaChesed in his generation. But nevertheless, the Shinova said, could there be somewhere out there about Chesed like my father, maybe? But I could confidently say that no one combined Taira, Avoida, and Gimela Sosodim like my great father, like the Divrei Chaim.
But the Divachaim was unique, not only in his greatness, but in his philosophy, in his approach, in his teachings. So many times I heard from his great-grandson, from the Klesim Magarebi, from my Rebbe. The Divachaim had a son-in-law who was the Hornus Stipler. Hornus Stipler is where the Kilis Yankov came from, the Stipler was one of the greatest literature of our Tkufa, of our era. And that was from the Geza of Chernobyl in Russia. So Devlechaim's son-in-law was the Matelahornus Taipala. He was a Rebbe in his own merit, and he was a Godel in his own merit. And he's very Choshev's form. Shavas Yichuvah's Eimek Shaila. And he has a safer Lilchas Mikvois and a Tilis Yidayim called Chibur Unitahava. So the Hornus Taipa said about his Shever, about his father-in-law, the Divachaim, my father-in-law was a Chosad like the Tanya and a Mesnaget like the Gavah, like the Vilna Gavah. And that is such an amazing description of who the Divachaim was. How could one say it was a Mesnaget? He was the founder of a Hasidish Ahoyf, a Hasidish Achotzer. But in his teaching, in his philosophy, he was a Chassid like the Baratanya and a Misnabi like the Quran. Rabbi Kasi al Arya Kamalha was an amazing person. I would guess that most of you never heard this name. Maybe some of you did. Rabbi Kasi al Amr Kamalha was one of the Galatiana, great Talmud HaChachomim. He was robbed in a city called Raisha. I think it was Tafresh Pei in 1927 when he moved to America. And he became a Rav in one of the Choshev Shuls in Manhattan, in the east side. He was kicked out of Shul for some reason. Maybe he was too from. And I think it was 1932 or 1933 that he moved to Eretz Israel. And in 1937, Tafish Shad he passed away. He wrote many songs. And he has a two-volume Sefer, which inspired me as a young Bukhar. I could vividly remember the people and the Sforim that inspired me. So the Bikasiyah Aliyah Kamal Har has a Sefer called Dor Deo. And the Sefer has two volumes. And it deals with a period between Tuf Kuf and Tuf Reish Ba'elafashishi. Going back from three hundred years ago to two hundred years ago. And he argues that this Kufa was so substantial in the development of Taira and Messira. And he quotes in the introduction to a Sefer the Sayyar that Bameya Shishi, Be'elafa Shishi, Shari Chachma will open in the heavens. And he argues that is this Kufa. And his two volumes, one are about the Gadish world and the other about the Hasidish world. So in the Gadish world and the Torah world, starting off with Rebionis and Irishits, Ishagis Arya, then the Noida Behuda and the others going all the way to the Samsoifa, 
advance at Kufa from Tuf Kuf to Tuf Reish. And in the Hasidic world, in the second volume, starting off with the Balshemto, the founder, who was a contemporary of the Shagas Arya and the Bionis and Irishans, and finishing off with the Divrei Chaim, who passed away Tuf Reish, Lamed And when it comes to the Divrei Chaim, he quotes a saying which I never heard from the Kalaisum of the Rebbe. But I think Rav Kamalhar was a real reliable historian and I was very much inspired. I recommend if you could, if you could achieve, I don't know whether they're available thus far. Very interesting. And he writes that the Divrachayim in his day and age said a marshal. person had a suit. He was a poor man and he wore that suit for 20 years and it became stained and dirty. And there no longer was any possibility to properly clean the suit. So he decided to turn it inside out because from the inside it was clean. So he turned his suit inside out and he wore it for another 20 years. And then the inside became as dirty, as filthy, as stained as the outside. So he said, well, we might as well turn it back to normalcy because why would we wear a suit inside out if it's as dirty from the inside as it is from the outside? So he just turned the suit back to normal. Rav Kamalar quotes the Divrachaim as saying, in the days of the Belshem Tov, the Matzah of Yiddishkeit was so downtrodden, so problematic, so painful, so beyond hope, that the Belshemtov turned the suit inside out, but a hundred years transpired, and we're no better than they are, so we might as well go back to the Shulchan go back to the Beis Amidish. I think that's a harsh statement. And maybe even if it would be true, the Klesenberger wouldn't quote it, but it is a reflection of who the Divachaim was, and it could be said he brought Hasidus back to the Shulchan Aruch, and he brought Hasidim back to the base Medesh. So on one hand, he was a great Hasidish teacher, the founder of a dynasty, and his children followed in his footsteps. But more than any other personality in the history of Hasidus, he was recognized as one of the Gedele Hadar in every sense, one of the Poiske Hadar. And when we speak about the Gedolim of his era, we would count Beneshima Achas, Rabbi Shlomo Kluger, Rabbi Yosef Shornatanzan, the Shoyla Meshiv, and the Divrei Chaim. Every major halachic issue was brought to the desk of the Divrei Chaim like the Shoyla Meshav, like the Shlomo Kluger. There were many Hasidic Yedayim that were known to be tremendous Tamir HaChachamim. But I think in the 300 years or 280 years in the history of Hasidus, no Hasidic master achieved the acclaim and the fame and the recognition as a great Pesach of his generation like the Divrachaim. And we move fast forward three generations to the Kleiser brother. And I think my Rebbe also 
was a chosid like the Tanya and a misnagi like the Gero. And he too was one of the major gedolim of his generation. So many other chosidish rabbeim were known to be great Tanya Chachamim, but I don't think any of them achieved the renown, the acclaim, and the status of the Divrayatzev as a Paisik, as a teacher of Torah, as a Rosh Hashiva. He was no less Rosh Hashiva than Rabbi. And one of the stories that sticks out in my mind, stands out in, in my mind. So the Kleisenberg's platform to speak to his Talmidim and to the world was as Chomesh Rashi Shir that he gave Thursday night. So Thursday night was known as the Chomesh Rashi Shir. And then he spoke his mind about current issues, relevant issues, about the problems, the issues of the times. And I remember once, there was a person living in Kiryat Sands, and he was an exception. He wasn't at Sands a Chosid. He wasn't a Chosid at all. He was a Yeker. And he moved to Kiryat Sands because he was the menial of the girls' school. So he was a professional machanach. Nothing to do with Chosidus. And his children were briskers. They learned in brisk. So once he brought his two sons-in-law just to get a brocha from the Rebbe, from the Kloisenbrugger. And the Kloisenbrugger spoke to them in learning, and he was very impressed. And then he asked them, how much do they pay you in Kailu? Some of you probably learned the brisk, and you know they pay peanuts. They pay, barely pay anything. And the Kloisenbrugger was so moved and so impressed by these two little she and Kalite. And the next Thursday night, he blasted us. He blasted the Tamidim and the Hasidim. And he said, you think I need your Shreimlach? This week, I met two young alike. They told me they learn in brisk. They don't wear Shreimlach. But I spoke to them in learning. And they're such great Talmidah Chachamim. And they learn Torah and Torah Chachacha. Kachi Darkish of Torah Paspa Melech Torah. Mayim Ben Zurit Tishtok. I don't need your Shreimlach. They mean nothing to me. All I need is Torah. And I remember that Shmos. Did he need the Shreimlach? Yes, he did. Of course he did. You know, he was such a kanoi about Levush. He adhered to all the Hasidishim and Hagam of the Divrachayim. And the Rabbein, his captain didn't have buttons. It had hooks, not buttons. My brother is an Adam of the Cloys of Magarelli. So, all his children and grandchildren adhere with zeal to every minute of Hasidus. So, when he said, I don't need your Streimlich, it was more of a metaphor. Because nothing was as important to the Kloyser Megarevi as a black Gemara. And he said that a million times. And he said it and he practiced what he preached. Nothing was more important to the Divriyatsev than a black Gemara. And he said that so many times. 
But the essence of Chassidus is Ahavah's Torah and greatness in Torah. Omar Torah. And another story I said so many times. You know, I could speak for hours, but I just choose the most impressive ones, the ones that stand out in my memory and my mind. So the Kleiser Magadevi, once a week he gave a Chumash Rashashir, and that was his platform to speak about current and relevant issues. Once a week he gave a Shir Kloli on the Mesechet that we learned in the Yeshiva for the entire Yeshiva, but every day he gave a private Shir in his own room, small room, and only a little group of Talmidim participated in that Shir. And for a few years, I was one of them. Sometimes we were five or six or seven, never more than a minion. And this year usually took an hour and a half. And I remember one year that was exceptionally short. It was about 45 minutes. And it was only after this year that we became aware why. So there was a very special person living in London, a big Balchesed. And he was very close to the Kleis of Magyarabi. His name was Rufoim Zaman Magolius. Maybe the name rings a bell to any of you. And he cooperated with the Rebbe on many chesed projects. So the Kleis of Magyarabi told him, I want you to come to me Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. I have something very important to suggest to talk with you. And he apologized that he said, it's impossible because I have a 12 o'clock flight and I need to catch the flight. And by the close of Maghreb, it was very well known that a time is never really a time. He could make a meeting at 8 o'clock and not be available to 9.30 because he might be davening Marav a quarter to wait. And you could never guess in advance how long Marav would take. It could take 20 minutes, it could take an hour. So Mr. Margulius apologized and he said, I need to catch a flight, so it can't be. So the Kleisenberger said, I know you need to catch the flight now that I know. Come at eight and I will be available. Okay, so he arrives Tuesday night, eight o'clock. It's five past eight, ten past eight. He asks the Gabbai, well, the Rebbe promised me we have an appointment for eight o'clock. So what's happening? And the Gabbai, He's surprised and he says, I really don't get it because he started the sheet a quarter to wait. So Mr. Magoris asked, how long does the sheet usually take? So he said, an hour and a half. He won't be finished till 9.15, 9.30. And Mr. Pliny was taken aback. So why did he promise me and tell me 8 o'clock, 20 past 8, the sheet was over and we were shocked. We never had such a short shear. So Mr. Magolis comes into the room and the Rebbe apologizes. We were still present. And he said, I remember you have a flight and we have an appointment for 8 o'clock. But this afternoon I was feeling horrible and I had an unbearable headache. Chogemeintech translated into English, I thought I'm going to die. 
I don't think he thought he was going to die, but he always had an exaggerated way of expressing himself that was part of his uh, persona. I thought I'm going to die. I took my medicines, nothing helped. For years, he used to wrap his head in a wet garment because he really had a lot of headaches. So he had some plastic or rubber band he used to wrap his forehead. So he apologized and he said, I thought I'm going to die. And nothing helped. I had no other option but to bring in the bottom and learn with them. Sounds like an exaggeration, but it was a reality. And sometimes he was brought into the room, he couldn't even walk. He was supported on his right and his left. And you would never believe that this man is capable of giving a shear full of chiyas. But the moment he opened his mouth and started to learn, he was as if transformed into another world, another reality. And he got koichas, koichas and strength. And he just wondered, where did this come from? This man, 10 minutes ago, looked like a barminan, looked like a person that's not suitable to open his mouth. And that was a reflection of his Ahavistoyla and his Tevekis Betoyla. So he apologized to Mr. Magonis and he said, I did not forget. I promised to be available at eight, but I just, I just couldn't bear it. So I needed to call the Talmidim in. And I made a short shear. We should be able to talk. And then we left the room. I don't know what they spoke about, but... But that was an experience that also made of me a tremendous relation as a young Bacher. So I could relate many stories, but the essence of his teaching, of his ways, was Ahavis Torah. We find in Yerushalmi, when Rabbi Yochanan passed away, Chachmei Doiroi Koru Achar Mitosoi so the Gedalim called at the Hesped of Rabbi Yechanan, And whenever I quote this Gemara, I recall we find in Baruch HaSlafei, Rabbi Yechanan had 10 children. They all died during his lifetime. And he was left alone. And he used to carry a little bone or a tooth of his youngest child. And he used to say, When he wanted to be Mechazic people, he said, this is what I have left from my child number 10. And that very same Rabbi Yochanan, when his chavrus had passed away, and his chavrus was his brother-in-law, Reish Lokesh, he couldn't bear it. He was devastated. And they tried to give him another chavrus, who was a tremendous scholar, Rabbi Lozor ben Pedat. And he said, no. This is not Reish Lokesh, Heichanat Barul Kisha. And the Chachamim saw 
הצורי אין בגלעד, אם רופא אין שם, and they doubted he should pass away. He buried the laws of ten children, and what gave him chizuk was Torah. The close of Magadari lost eleven children, one more than Rabbi Yechon. They all perished in the Holocaust. He was left ke'ar'ar ba'arava, alone in the world. He lost his wife and eleven children. What kept him going? What gave him chizuk was Torah. ואני קורא אחר מיתוסוי, שמרי ורבי, ניתן אישס כל רין ביסוי באהבו, שאוהב על דברי עצר וסטוירה, ואיזה ואיזה לא. So telling the story of the closing of the Rebbe without telling the story of survival and rebuilding and after the devastation would be lacking. It would not be the entire story. So probably the period of glory of the Kleisen Magirebi was the Holocaust and its aftermath. Our time is limited and I'm aware of that. But many times I told the story of when my great late father first met the Kleisen Magirebi was the second day she was 1944, in Birkenau. My father arrived the first day Shavuos, and the Kloisen mother arrived the second. And that was their first encounter. An amazing story, which I won't tell today. I hope we'll have many other opportunities. So I heard from the Kloisen Magirabi that that entire period, I think it was 13 or 14 months, he didn't eat cooked food. because of the chashash of Machalas Asuris. He only had bread, potato peels, raw potatoes that they somehow managed to smuggle. And every day he swapped his soup for bread. And the others were happy to have that exchange. Goes without saying, he passed him to everyone else, it's Bikuach Nefesh. It's Pekuach Nefesh in its extreme. But he for himself, I heard this from him, never once did he eat that awful horrific soup that had Nevelas and Zweifus. I think it would be permissible for a hundred reasons, not only Pekuach Nefesh, Shalok Ederach Achila, Eina Ra'uil, Leger, it was an Nevelas Rucha, wasn't Ra'uil Amacham, But that's just as a testament to his tzitkis and his chumras and his He didn't impose on others. But that was who he was. And he said, I just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to eat that. So he ate bread and raw potatoes or anything else he could get into his mouth. So he lost a wife and 11 children. And then other... sentence I heard from him and I remember I just shuddered and trembled when I heard those words he says not for one moment that I question a Kodesh Bohu's ways you know and when I tell the story to you I'm choking up because 
in the depths of agony in Gehenna it's Sadiq the Kodesh loses his entire family his wife and 11 children and he said never for a moment did I question the Kodesh Bolfu's ways so on Perikei of Mesecha Dabois the Mishnah says an interesting Rashi says, What do Chazal mean, Va'omad Bekulam? It's not only that he passed the test, maybe many others would pass the test as well. So, yes, Akodesh Borchu was Nisnasa, was Menasa Romadinu ten times. He put him to test ten times. And Avraham Avinu overcame. He rose to the challenge. He passed all those tests. But Rashi notes what was special about Avraham Avinu. And those are the words I heard from my Rebbe. I never once questioned HaKadosh Bohu's ways. And the moment it was over, like a lion, he dedicated his entire being to rebuild Yiddishkeit. So these are stories I heard from my father and mother. Both were in Ferenfeld. Ferenfeld was a DP camp in the American zone. And the Rebbe was in Fernwald and not only didn't he question HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ways he dedicated every fiber of his nishama of his being to rebuild let me say this many of our educators try to portray the Holocaust to our children as a story of heroism as a story of Mesiris Nefesh was a story of Messias Nefesh. About 1% of the story is about Messias Nefesh. 99% is about devastation, death, unbelievable suffering, annihilation. Probably the darkest period in the history of the Jews. Excluding Chorm Beis Amigdosh, because Chorm Beis Amigdosh was the loss of Shekhinah. But in the magnitude and the volume of suffering, probably the Holocaust surpasses anything we do since Avraham since Moshe Rabbeinu, including Golas Mitzrayim. And when it was over, for every Jew that wanted a Beis Medish, there were a hundred that wanted a theater and a movie house. Most of the people just wanted to live. And the Kleiserberger begged, is anybody willing to volunteer to help me bury the dead? There were Jewish corpses everywhere. No one volunteered. People wanted to live. They had enough of death. They had enough of seeing Mason my late father was the only one that volunteered. And they got an army chief from the American commander of the camp with an army driver and some shovels 
and they roamed the landscape, burying Macy's Thorne. But the Rebbe did not despair. He opened the yeshiva and a school for boys and girls. My mother learned in the girls' school. My father taught in the yeshiva. One by one, little by little, he rekindled those Yiddish and Shams. And like a father and a mother combined, put into one. One more and one more and one more. Yiddish and Shamas came back, came back to Akadish Boku by his efforts. The first yard site of the Kloisenbogger Rebbe, I spoke at the Aguda Convention, and I was asked to speak about the Rebbe. And one of the moving stories I told was Erebium Kipper in Ferenval, first year after the liberation. It was a few months after the camp, after the, they were liberated. And the Kloisenbogger Rebbe was an unbelievable tzaddik an unbelievable illusion. Soon we'll speak about his Phyllis. His Phyllis were the legendary Rav Shai. Am I going over time? We could uh, we could take another few minutes. Okay. So it's Elvim Kipper, and he's sitting in his room preparing for Yom Hakadosh, and there's a knock on the door. He opens the door and there's a girl standing there. And she says, Rebbe, I remember in the past, my father used to bench me every year, every kippah. But my father went up in smoke, so I have no one to bench me. Will you bench me? So he took a handkerchief, spread it over her head because he wouldn't touch the head of a girl. Put his hands on her head and he benched her. She left the room smiling. A few minutes later, there's another knock, and another, and another. And more than a hundred little girls stood in line. And my mother was one of them. She wasn't a little girl. She was 17 years old. But, like a loving father, put his hands in each and every one of those heads and benched them. So the Kleisenberg was known to be a Takaf. But in that period, with all the love and the warmth one could possibly have, that is how he brought those Nishomas back to Yiddishkeit. So he was my father and mother's Shadchan. And he was their Masada Kedushin. And this is how my family came to be. So, I hope to continue this talk at another opportunity because I have so much more to tell. So I could only hope and believe that some of what I saw and experienced left a mark and inspired me to try to dedicate my efforts and my kaiches to teach Taira and to be Mekar of baby soil, help of the Yom So he should be a meditator for us all, for Klani soil. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. And Tam, Beloni Shlam, will have some other opportunities to be, speak about his davening, about his chesed. And 
So this is very briefly some of the memories, some of the recollections that I have firsthand from being Mishamish, this great Godel, and secondhand, things I heard from my father and mother that were there in a period in which I still was up there in the heavens. So this was one of the giants of our times, one of the giants of our generation, and just learning about him and hearing about him should encourage us to try to achieve greatness. So we'll see you a bit later. Call to